Welcome to the School Yoga Coach Podcast. My name is Molly, and I am a middle school teacher, a trauma-informed yoga teacher, and I'm the founder of the Instructional Yoga Coach Training Program, because we believe that every school needs a yoga teacher. Hey, welcome back. I am so glad you are here. Um, today, I want to talk to some of the most important people in the world right now, and that is our classroom teachers. It's as if um, our whole entire, at least the country here in the U.S. and probably around the world, um, suddenly realizes how much we desperately need our kids to be around their teachers. And our teachers are both um, wanting to be back in the classroom with kids and yet also protecting themselves and their students um, by acknowledging you know, the mess that we're still in with this pandemic. So um, I know that schools continue to debate and wonder and try to plan like how to accommodate education in the fall, but we all know regardless of what happens, um, teachers remain the most important person for that child, each child, um, in their educational journey, okay? I hope that your school is starting to embrace the idea of bringing in a school yoga coach as well. Um, so, if so, I'm also talking to my school yoga coaches here because what I want to share with you today is the really, really nuts and bolts um, practical application of how to teach, whether you're back in the classroom or you're teaching remotely, while prioritizing the social emotional health of both your kids and you, our teachers. Okay, so um, I started thinking about basically what my classroom might look like or my class, I'm not even going to say classroom, my class would look like if in fact uh, when I go back to school it is remote, a remote you know, learning. Um, and I thought, you know, what recommendations I would make as well as what things I have control over regardless of what actually is decided. So I'm going to start with um, recommendations. Of course, this is for a school or somebody planning a school. If you are, in fact, planning to do remote uh, learning, which I highly recommend until this is um, brought way under control. But um, if you're planning the remote learning, I know one thing I learned and I think our school learned was that by um, having a very, very loose schedule and accountability for kids, we really lost a lot of um, potential interaction with children. And parents told us, you know, we don't know what my, I don't know what my kid's supposed to be doing, not doing. Um, it was hard to interact with students um, at the same time. So here's something really simple is let's continue a routine 
for kids, a schedule for kids, because that's what all schools are pretty much based on is this schedule. Um, what's kind of nice now is we can, we don't have to be as rigid with it, but we can be very routine. So I teach in a middle school. This is my recommendation for middle school with, I'm sure, a lot of reasons why we'd need to change it. But um, currently, I teach, I think all of our, our content area classes are about 75 minutes long. I would say while you're remote learning, I mean, that's just way too long for kids to be in front of a computer or to be interacting with a teacher on a computer. So um, I would say make every class 50 minutes long and have a 10-minute um, passing period or break period in between because for both the um, teachers and the students because unlike in a classroom, you're not moving around and looking at this and looking at that. Like we're, we're asking kids and teachers to be focused on a computer and we know that um, that, that much time isn't always good for our brain. So uh, a 10-minute break in between allows for a lot of things, a lot of self-care as well as, you know, technology switchover, things like that. Um, just have your four uh, content area, ELA, math, science, social studies um, in four of those blocks. Give everybody lunch at the same time. There's no reason to stagger lunches now. You don't have cafeterias. Just give everybody from 11.30 to 12.30 a lunchtime. There are no meetings during that time. There are no help sessions during that time. That is time to eat your lunch, de-stress, reconnect with family members if they're you know, especially if you're at home teaching and you need to connect with kids or whatever, um, that's a solid hour of lunch, maybe, you know, another 50 minutes or so for uh, a two or three more periods, depending on your school. So the way I had it set up was basically starting at 8.30, go to 9.20, 9.30 to 10.20, 10.30 11 to 11.20, 11.30 to etc., all the way up to 3:20. That allows for six um, teaching periods and one lunch period. And uh, as a teacher, I teach three classes, so I would be seeing my class during that time. And I think that's what that's what a lot of parents and teachers and kids are saying they really missed was that that routine, that continuity. So I highly recommend, you know, you, you create, some, if you're remote teaching, that there is a schedule to follow. You know, will everybody sign in at the same time or on time for the whole time? I don't know, but at least there's a routine expectation and that's a great place to start, okay? So that's for planning. Now, whether you are doing this remotely or you are in your classroom, I am going to give you a recommendation for how to conduct your instruction. And um, this only works <laughs> if or is only going to be beneficial to you 
if you believe that the priority of education right now during this pandemic, the priority of student-teacher interaction, the highest priority should go to the physical and emotional health of both students and staff. So because I have heard that over and over again, um, because that was the message conveyed to us from superintendents around the country, I am going to keep going with that because nothing has changed so far in terms of this virus. At least nothing has changed for the positive. Nothing's gotten better. Um, it may be better than, it, than the worst that it got, but it's not better than it was when we closed down schools. So um, when I first heard that message, the, the situation is not better than that. So I'm going to keep uh, mental and physical health as our number one priority. All right. Then assuming that you want that, okay, now you've got control in your class to some extent. Um, the other, the thing I'm going to recommend in addition to prioritizing physical and mental health does this. It establishes a routine. It maintains teacher-student connection. It provides a modified continuity of a typical school structure and schedule. And it provides a relatively consistent instruction that is reduced. We're just going to admit it's reduced. But um, what's better, what it's better than is hodgepodge. Okay. It's not hodgepodge. It's not, um, just, you know, throwing all sorts of things together. It, it's, it's a plan. And I don't know if you're like me, but I get a lot of comfort from having a plan. Um, I also get comfort from having a routine and from having a plan that is flexible and respectful of where we are right now. So um, the, what I'm going to recommend is based on my idea of a 50-minute class period. You can adapt this any way you want. But this is based on some of the recommendations I already gave about um, recovering from trauma, helping your school community recover from trauma. And now if you are the teacher what you can do, you don't have to sit there and be a therapist to your kids. We're not therapists. All we, all we have to worry about is providing an environment, whether it's in-person or a virtual environment, that encourages or um, allows for trauma-sensitive teaching and tra ultimately trauma recovery, okay? So here's all you have to do. Number one, when your kids come in the door or they log into your classroom, when you first see them, you're going to gather them together. <laughs> you're going to collect them all and you're going to check in with them by name. You probably have done this, right? That's, we would call that taking attendance. But please you take the time to do this by name and not just do it visually. 
and then walk them through a grounding activity. So literally they could be doing the grounding activity while you're taking attendance. Or, um, and so a grounding activity simply helps the kids bring energy out of the, like the, if you can imagine like nervous energy. Okay. So imagine nervous energy where your brain is kind of like all over the place and we're going to like bring that energy inward towards the body, into the body, which really means we're just uh, focusing awareness on the body. So it could be something like, okay, when I say your name, you know, I want you to start, um, you know, snapping your fingers. So as I call attendance, Bobby, <laughs> you know, snaps his fingers. Tabitha snaps her fingers. Kanye snaps his fingers, whoever it is, they're snapping their fingers or they're tapping their legs or they're tapping their feet or they're going head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Okay. That's a grounding activity that can be done whether you're in the classroom or not and while you're taking attendance. So always begin with a grounding activity. Second, and I know this is going to be difficult, just, just stay open to it. After you've collected everybody, that's what we're doing. We're collecting and grounding. We're going to do some storytelling. And storytelling doesn't have to be big and long. It can be you telling a story. It can be um, eventually inviting kids to tell a story. But I encourage you to set the model first. So what are these storytelling minutes? And, and this is just a couple minutes. It is a true story or an imagined story of you as a hero, okay? So something heroic that you did, something brave that you did, something um, new that you accomplished, something that you learned how to do, something that you realized you know, or someone that you're proud of. So those are the kind of stories we want to build at this point because we've grounded our kids, we've collected them, we've grounded them. Now we've got to get their mind going on a sense of um, future accomplishment. Remember, we've talked about this with trauma, a belief that we're going to be okay. That's what this is. I have to believe I'm going to be okay. Once you've done those two things, and that in my 50-minute class period, that should take about five to eight minutes. After that, do instruction. So whatever you want to teach that day, you teach it 10, 15, 20 minutes of instruction. Okay, whatever works for your age level, and content area. Now, while you're instructing, you could ask kids to be doing something, obviously, but this is because it's a condensed version, because I know we're taking time away uh, and focusing it on social emotional, go ahead and give yourself and your kids 15 or 20 minutes of focused instruction. After that, okay, so focused instruction, um, allow for a five-minute, three to five-minute social break. That social break gives kids a chance to interact with each other. That social break can be 
just kind of a free break, like, hey, talk about whatever. Or I recommend a, um, a guided social break. Not necessarily, it could be about what you were just instructing, but it could just be, you know, like turn and talk about the last time you guys, you know, ate ice cream. What did you have? Or, uh, you know, what, what sport are you excited to play next? Something like that. So, you know, you can get a lot of little conversation starters, little tiny, um, you know, ideas together as a team, or I know you can find them online. Um, but just to give, give your kids then a social break because I've been hearing all about how much they miss each other. And what we want to make sure we're doing is giving them that social break without making school a day long recess period. Okay. Which is fine too, but that's not, I think why teachers are kind of risking their own health is just to go supervise social time. All right. So then you call them back from social their social break. Um, Maybe you've had a chance to have a little social break with one kid or a a group of kids as well. And now it's time for them to do some quiet work. So maybe they're working on the computer. Maybe they just have their computer up and you're still like seeing them, but they're uh, reading a book or they're drawing on a piece of paper. So don't feel like their work has to be on the computer. But this is also a time for you to check in with, you know, two, three kids each day. So, um, you know, this is our, it might be where you're offering some more um, instructional support. But once again, going back to our number one priority of mental and physical health, the the purpose of that check-in is just so that those kids have that connection with you and you've made a connection with them. Okay, this last one is a little, might sound a little weird, but if you've ever played on a team, it's not. Um, (laughs) The last couple minutes, you know, gather everyone together, gather everyone's attention again, and you're going to end class with a ritual sound. So it could be a song that you all sing together. I wouldn't recommend you just play it. You can play it, but like a song to sing. So especially with the younger children, you know, I don't know. I just remember brownies like make new friends, but keep the old, something like that. So a a closing song, Um, you could play like a closing chime. Uh, Let's see if this works. Nope, that didn't work. (laughs) But um, I have a singing bowl. I don't have it with me right now. But a singing bowl, kind of a little gong, a little set of like a a wind chime. Or or this would be even, I bet your older kids would love this, um, like a, a chant or a cheer. So this is what I mean by a team. You know, like when you guys are in a huddle and then you're about to go back out on the field or out on the court. And you go, you know, whatever it is, one, two, three, break, or one, two, three, chargers, or something like that where you are all going to say it together. So why? Why do I want you to do that? Because one, it builds community, and two, the sound, the vibration within their body 
um, is a trigger to trauma recovery. I'm not saying it fixes it, but we know if you look back at what I shared in the past about how to help your community recover, song, chanting in you know, non-secular places would be prayer or things like that. But like those are done as a community um, and they have been done as a community for years and years and years and years. And they do create um, a sense of healing, especially to the nervous system. Okay. So what did my 50 minutes look like? It was five minutes of checking in, grounding and storytelling 20 minutes of instruction, five minutes of a social break, 15 minutes of quiet work and a check-in, and up to five minutes of a song or a chant or something like that, okay? Um, Some of those are going to sound normal to you and like, yeah, I could easily do that. And some of them are going to feel weird to you (laughs) and maybe. So, um, Rather than discount them, I'm just going to ask you to think about them and literally try them at home. Try them before you get in the classroom. How would it feel? How does it feel to do or say or sing a song at some point? I would even, here's another thing you could have kids do is, um, as far as a chant goes, would just be to say hum very loud and and long and let them feel their jaw vibrating in their chest. So it would be like taking a deep breath in. Hum. And so, you know, finding um, what part of the body is vibrating, you know, that's usually the upper chest, the neck, the jaw, the, uh, the nose, Um, around the ears, even up into the head, right? That's a great way to close out your class period. Now, if you do that once and never again, or you do it like a couple times, never again, um, I wouldn't expect it to really have that much of an impact because, you know, like most things, you got to do it over and over again. But if you do do it for a full week, um, If you do it for a full week, kids will know what to do the next week. If you do it for a full month, you will will see a profoundly different um, energy system in your kids. And I think you might recognize that in yourself as well. And I want to go back to the priority here is mental and physical health of students and staff. So this is for you as well. So when I ask you to do the grounding, I want you to do the grounding too. That's also why I'm recommending 10 minutes between classes so that you can maybe ground yourself before the kids come in. Or maybe you need to close out on your own after the kids leave. Or maybe you need another minute or two. I know for me, if I'm back in the classroom, I know I'm already feeling the angst. Um, I'm going to need as much time to kind of regather myself, to ground myself, to calm myself. Um, I'm going to need to do that actively and often. So if you're like, oh, 
this sounds goofy. I can't do this by myself. Just know you will not be by yourself. You will have at least one other person doing this with you, and that'll be me. So um, once again, if you are a teacher, bless your heart. Um, I'm, I'm hoping and hoping that uh, you can return to school at a time that is safe for all of us. And if you are entering back into school at a time that is still precarious, that you remain safe and healthy and calm and well. Um, if you are my school yoga coaches, please uh, help um, our teachers because they really need us right now, don't they? They really, really need us. And if you are a yoga teacher, but not a school yoga teacher, and this is speaking to you, if you are thinking, I would love to be um, of assistance in this way, then um, please reach out to me. I would love to welcome you into my next training, my instructional yoga coach training. Please reach out to me at www.schoolyogacoach.com. Um, I would love to give you more information about our next training. I have that scheduled for October, um, but I am also open to working privately with uh, schools, school districts who have partnered with their local yoga um, teachers. So we can get you into the school or into, <laughs> into the virtual school or the real school as soon as possible. I appreciate you staying open to some of the suggestions I gave you today. Please know that um, you have a lot of power within you to offer social and emotional support to your kids, your students, and to yourself. Like, please remind yourself regularly that you deserve the same level of emotional support that you give to a child. Okay? Because we are all just children in this you know, weird environment that's going on around us. No one's an expert at it. So we've got to be looking out for each other and ourselves. And I will always be here for you. Thanks a lot, you guys. Take care, and I will talk to you again later. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining me um, on the School Yoga Coach podcast. If you'd like to learn more or um, check out some of the resources that I am sharing with both teachers and yoga teachers, please visit www.schoolyogacoach.com. Stay well, everybody.